Well, that was pretty great, huh? We can go home now. Not letting you off that easy. (laughs) Yeah, and it's great to be celebrating Easter Resurrection Sunday together. Uh, We're really thankful that you've chosen to make today a part of your celebration. Especially appreciate those people joining us online. Uh, And those who may be checking things out for the first time, uh, may be here first time, we just uh, really uh, appreciate you being here. And for those that uh, haven't been for a little while, it's good to see you and have you back here. A special shout out to two sisters who, um, for health reasons, uh, just have not been able to be here for the last year. Uh, They really want to get baptized, but it's understandable that they can at this point. And I just want to say that... uh, Tracy and Karen, your text messages and Facebook messages really encourage me, so I'm glad that you can join us online, and someday it will be your turn, so we're looking forward to that day, so again. Also, just a special shout-out also to someone who's in the house, and that's Ben Keel. Ben helps us with our video streaming, and if you tried to zoom in or check in on Friday, we were having some technical difficulty and uh, I think he was here till uh, past 1 o'clock Saturday morning just trying to get things figured out. So really appreciate uh, all that he and those all that work with that uh, do to uh, make things happen. So as we're talking about Easter and we're talking about Resurrection Sunday and we're talking about being all in, uh, it's this idea that without the resurrection, you and I, if we are predisposed, we want to say yes to Jesus, without that resurrection, it doesn't happen. That's what enables us to be all in, and that's what enables us to take steps and grow so we get better at knowing where to look before we leap. And so it's exciting to be able to tie that idea in those concepts in as we, again, celebrate uh, the resurrection. Now, there is one piece or, or one part of the resurrection that's uh, very, very, or one part of the story that's very, very important, and that makes me think of uh, puzzles. And uh, these are puzzles at my house, and uh, I do not like doing puzzles. Uh, my wife has lapsed back into doing them. It's a very dark place when these puzzles start coming out. And then she starts, uh, you know, turning up the lights in the living room as bright as they can be. I hate to say this because she isn't here right now, but, uh, you know, her eyes are just a, li- a little bit older than me, like three years older than me. So, so I can understand that. So we've got this puzzle thing going on, or she has this puzzle thing going on. And uh, then sometimes, uh, you know, Carol Schrader, I, it just it breaks my heart that they're, like, giddy about puzzles, and they like puzzles, so that just encourages so knock it off, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, so there's these puzzles going on. So I usually don't do this anymore, but it just was time to do it again. This was uh, Cindy laying out her uh, puzzle pieces, and I decided it was time to take one. And uh, so what I did is I, uh, you know, went to the mantle, and there's our little Apple TV, and slowly but surely, it went under there. Now, unbeknownst to me, in the first service, she told me that she found it, because she was dusting. So anyway, but, uh, you know, these puzzles are just, to me, I just don't get it, why, why you just agonize over putting these puzzles together. 
Uh, they have all kinds of puzzles out here. This is a puzzle that's the world's most difficult puzzle, jigsaw puzzle, and they say it, and uh, it makes it even worse that there were dogs on that. I know you're going to, ooh, Dave, you know, but I'm not an animal guy, but uh, that's one. But just, you know, it's Easter, and out of the graciousness of my heart, I decided to buy this one for Cindy, so this came on Friday, and this is called The Lines. It's a 1,000 Pieces. And uh, I just uh, think this will be so great. You won't even be able to discover the piece that's missing. Uh, these are some of the reviews. Let's see if I can read them on the screen. Uh, here's, here's one review or two reviews. Uh, my mother always, better without my glasses, my mother always brags about how many puzzles she completes. I figured this one will set her back for a little while. Another one, worth the struggle. Uh, this puzzle has given me and my family many laughs. I gave it to my mom since she's been doing a lot of puzzles in the lockdown. She took one look and, how, and now hates me in a loving way. It's so much fun for the rest of us to see how much she struggles with it. It's been at least three months and she doesn't even have the edges finished. Oh, that is a beautiful thing. Okay. Another one, a great challenge, stole my, li my will to live. <laughs> I bought this puzzle to, get, to help with my colorblind husband because he can't do puzzles very easily. It took four days to complete. That's actually pretty good. But it stole my will to live. <laughs> There's no meaning to life. I don't know what that means, but this puzzle definitely wasn't fun or was fun. Missing piece. I love this one. This, I get this. Uh, received timely, difficult, level high. After putting together, found one piece missing. Bummer. So anyway... Um, puzzles. Uh, this is more my speed. Uh, that's six pieces, and uh, it's done. I, I like that. I like that. So now you might say, Dave, why are you even talking about puzzles? It's Easter all in. How does that all fit together? Well, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, writes to them and talks about the pieces of the puzzle to this thing called the good news, the gospel, Holy Week, Easter weekend, the resurrection. And uh, he talks about this. And for some of us, when we think about Christianity, it really does seem like a puzzle. For some of us, it seems very simple and it comes together. It's six pieces. We get it and boom, we're in. Uh, then for some of us, it's a thousand pieces and it's just frustrating. Uh, some of us look at the Christianity as this idea of hassle, rules, just difficult, complex, months and months, and you still don't have the edges done. And then some of you uh, have experienced that Christ follower who's uh, not the best, easiest person to get along with, and it's almost like because they're a part of your puzzle, they're a part of you trying to put this puzzle together, uh, they actually are like that one missing piece. So because of them, it just kind of shades your view of what it means to follow Christ. So no matter how hard you work on putting this puzzle together, you may even have the intent and the desire of seeing it look something beautiful, but there's this one person or a couple people that just uh, seem to have kept that one piece from the puzzle, and it just never comes together. Well, Paul is going to talk about one primary piece, and this piece is what brings maybe the puzzle together when it talks about following Christ. So we read in 1 Corinthians, we read, Friends, I want to remind you of the gospel. Anytime you hear the word gospel, it just means good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Paul says, I preached to you which you received on which you have taken your stand. And Paul here is saying to the church at Corinth, and again, he, it's probably been 20 years since Jesus died and rose again, and he's writing this to them and just reminding them of something. He wants to remind them of something, and if he wanted to remind them, it really doesn't matter where we are in our spiritual walk. We probably need to be reminded of it also. Uh, he goes on to say, by this gospel, your life has been saved I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy, that you're in this for good and holding fast. So he's saying, you know, you said you were all in. It seems like you still are all in. This really was a decision of the heart. Yes, you knew in your head, but sometimes uh, we come across people that know it in their head or have the pieces out there, but it really hasn't shown up in their heart. And Paul is saying, I'm assuming that you guys, the Church of Corinth, it's gone into your heart, so I want you to remind you of these things. I want to strengthen your faith. And he goes on and says, For what I received, I pass on to you as first importance. And this idea of first importance, to me, is this center puzzle piece. Without this piece, the puzzle just doesn't come together. It doesn't look good. It's not good. You have to have this, this idea of first importance. Uh, this first importance is a Greek word called protos, and I usually don't talk about Greek words, but uh, you'll see where this is going. It means the first, the best, the superior. Nothing else even comes close. So what Paul is going to remind us of is of first importance. Uh, those of you who are science people, I'm not much of a science person, but you know, you've never heard of a proton. This is all tied into that when they found you know, cells and found the small proton center, all those kinds of things. So Paul is saying, this is of that significance. Without this, everything, everything collapses. So what is he going to talk about? What's of first importance in Christianity? He starts to, in a sense, review Holy Week, review the weekend, review Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So he starts to go through that, starts to talk about Friday, and this is what he says, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Now, when we first hear the word sin, most of us aren't like, oh, good, I'm a sinner. Sometimes we don't want to own that. We would never say we're perfect. But there is this idea of sin. There is this idea of selfishness. There is this idea that, that, that we, just, we just, you know, kind of don't live the best we could live. I've told you this before, and you all know this. If you've had kids, you don't train your kids how to misbehave. They just It's kind of like built in. They, they do it. It's just a part of who they are. This idea of sin, this idea of brokenness is built into us, and God has to, to do something with this. So on Friday, Christ dies for our sins. In Romans, in another book, or another letter, Paul writes, for all have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness. And the idea here is that uh, God is perfect, heaven is perfect, and because of our sin, because of our brokenness, uh, you know, th there's an obstacle there. And again, it comes back to this idea of sin. And what is so wonderful about God and his love for us is that he doesn't write us off. He doesn't say, oh, oh, you're not good enough done with you. What's he do? The good news is that he provides his son for us because we're not good enough. 
In Ephesians, we read, in Christ, we are made free by his blood sacrifice. We talked a little bit more about that on Friday. You can watch that if you missed that out. It's finally uploaded. took a little time for that. Um, We have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. And because of that, God makes it possible. Now, you might say, what is all about this? This idea of need of sins and needing forgiveness, uh, sometimes we, by default, will always see that there's somebody that's a worse sinner than we are, which kind of makes us feel good. I'm bad, but they're badder. You can always find they're more of a sinner, but it doesn't matter. At some level, this has to be done with, no matter if you're just a little sinner or you're a big sinner, it has to be done with, and God provides for that. That's Friday. Then we've got this Friday, Saturday, that he's buried. And uh, again, it's fantastic. The symbolism of baptism is, is purposeful. Uh, the idea, again, of below the water is, is death, burial, and then out of the water is resurrection. So on Friday and Saturday, Jesus is buried. That's a part of this good news. He dies for us. And then the unbelievable news is on Sunday, he is raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, the key, again, of this puzzle, of this piece, no matter how complex you look at your puzzle, if it's a six-piece, if it's a 500-piece, a 1,000-piece, I think I've even seen 5,000-piece puzzles Carol, never give my wife a 5,000 piece. Okay, uh, you know, there's 5,000, you know, it just goes on and on. It, it, it doesn't matter what your puzzle piece is, this idea that you've got to have this one piece, and it's called the resurrection. You see, and we think about it, it is impossible to be a Christ follower and not fully embrace the resurrection. And that, that could be a stumbling block for us. We can say, well, you know, maybe he spiritually rose again. His spirit came back to life. No, the scriptures teach he came back to life physically. And Paul is saying, if that's not a part of the deal, if that's not a part of the puzzle, it all falls down. You see, the temptation for many of us is to embrace the teachings of Jesus while minimizing his resurrection. We like what he had to say. We like what he talked about. We love his teachings. But when it comes to his resurrection, we just kind of keep it over there. We can't separate that. And Paul's going to tell us that if, if, if the resurrection isn't a part of the puzzle, if it isn't the central piece of the puzzle, everything else comes down. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians talks about the witnesses, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and at last he appeared to me." So we have this idea that when it comes to all of this resurrection, there has got to be some kind of witnesses. Somebody had to see this. And if we really slowed down and thought about, probably 99% of what you know, you know because somebody witnessed it. Somebody told it. We don't know that the Civil War took place because we know the Civil War took place because there were witnesses. Someone wrote it down and we read about it. 
fact after fact after fact after fact after fact. And when you take uh, these 500 witnesses plus, and you think about them actually sharing that they witnessed the resurrected Jesus, if you started on a Monday, let's say around breakfast time, and you gave them each 15 minutes of time, and you just let the clock start running, one after another after another, you would find that you would go around the clock, around the clock, around the clock, until probably Friday around supper time. That's how many witnesses there were. 15 minutes. These witnesses are crucial to you and I understanding uh, this idea of uh, the resurrection. Paul goes on and says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's interesting, uh, any of you who have ever been to a wedding ceremony, many of them have uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, right? The love chapter, and and we would say, uh, you, you know, that's pretty good, Paul. You wrote that. That's pretty awesome stuff. But Paul is saying, even that... Even the love chapter is useless unless there is a resurrection. He goes on, not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we're passing on to you, verifying that God raised up Christ, sheer fabrications, if there is no resurrection. You see, you and I, if we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to say yes to him, if we're going to really understand this puzzle, this this puzzle of being a Christ follower, the resurrection is central to that. We read on, and if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in darkness as lost as ever. Another translation says, your faith is a fantasy. This is Paul. This is not someone last year. This is not someone even 50 years ago, 100 years ago. This is, th- this is Paul. 20 years afterwards, he's saying, if there is no resurrection, faith is a fantasy. You see, we need to understand the resurrection of Jesus either is the greatest lie given to humanity or the greatest event in history. It can't be either or. If, it, if, it's, if it's a bunch of baloney, if it's not true, if it's just a fantasy, we, we have wasted a huge amount of human resource and energy over the last 2,000 years on something that is not true. Uh, we're here using an hour of our time up. It's not true. See, we need to understand that there is no middle ground. No middle ground. And some of us hearing this, that's, that's, that's hard to swallow. I kind of like Jesus' teachings. I kind of just don't want to think about the resurrection. I kind of just want to put it over there. But Paul is saying the two, you, you can't have one with the other out, out the other. You have to have uh, the resurrection. Very sad verse. And those in Christ who have fallen asleep died are lost. Over the last three or four months, I've had to be a part of some celebrations of life, and it's wonderful when you're, when you're in a sense, celebrating a life that's been lived well. 
But a part of those celebrations, most of the time, is this moment where I say, you know, the good news is that we're going to see this person again because of the resurrection, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he died and rose again. And I say that time and time again. Um, chances are, if you've been to a funeral service, a celebration of life, you have heard those words. Well, if that isn't real, if that isn't true, that's not true. That's, that's pretty heavy stuff. But again, the resurrection is that peace that has to be a part of that. Paul goes on, and if only for this life, if we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. But Christ indeed has been risen from the dead. So Paul, again, is driving it true. Not only those loved ones that we said goodbye to, but we're saying we're going to see them again. But then on top of that, just living in this environment, this culture, this understanding that Jesus died and rose again. If we think that and we're living that and we're kind of resting in that and it's not true that there was a resurrection, we should feel just sorry. If you're not a Christ follower and you're with a Christ follower and this is no resurrection, you should actually feel sorry for the friend that's brought you because they're staking their life, the way they're living, and their eternity on the fact that Christ rose from the dead and that means that someday they also will be alive with him in heaven. And we've talked about heaven and then a new heaven and a new earth. So as you digest this and you start to think about this, uh, we can go back to Paul and just take a little look at Paul. Paul experiences God, and it changes everything. But before Paul experienced God, he hated Christians. He was trying to exterminate Christians. He was chasing after them. He was, he was locking them up. He didn't like them. We, we don't know all the reasons why he didn't like them, but he just didn't like them. And sometimes you and I can find ourselves in the same situation. There's been Christians in our life that have let us down, that have waved the flag of being a Christ follower, and, and they have, in a sense, turned us away from Christ. Don't let those individuals turn you away from Christ. Actually, I apologize as a Christ follower it's kind of a leader of Christ followers. For the times we have not lived like Christ wants us to live and have turned you off. So if you're sitting with those thoughts, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm horrified. I'm grieved. Not just with those people out there who haven't acted like Christ followers. For the times that I personally haven't acted like a Christ follower. And if I've ever turned you off or someone else has turned you off, don't let that hold you back. Don't let a Christian keep you from Christ. Please don't. Please don't. Too much is at stake. We'll be taking more a look at this as we move on in our series for the next couple weeks. But Peter... Peter, when we think of Peter, we think of him just being kind of like out there, jumping before he looks, getting into things, saying things. But we also, those of us who know the life of Peter, know that Peter has failed a number of times. Peter has done the wrong thing. 
And um, sometimes you and I look at our lives and say, there's no coming back. There's no coming back. I mean, I can go to church, I, but I really can't be all in because, uh, because Jesus, God, just really, I can't let it go, and I can't imagine that God will let this go. But the death, burial, and resurrection shows that Jesus gives us the power. He wants us to let it go. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences, but he doesn't want you and I to say, my failure is going to stop me from taking steps forward with Christ. So thankful for Peter. So thankful that his denial of Christ didn't end the chapter of his life. You see, failure in your past keeps you from a future with God. Don't let that happen. You may need to talk with some other Christ followers to help you through that, but don't let that happen. And then there's James, brother of Jesus, stepbrother, half-brother, whole big discussion about that, but uh, you know about James, and James does not say yes to Christ uh, uh, before Christ dies and is resurrected all that time. He's like around Jesus. He's seeing Jesus. He's his brother. He's aware of his miracles and all these kinds of things, and he's just not buying this son of God thing, not buying it. I mean, honestly, don't pick on James too much. What would one of your siblings have to do for you to say, you are the son of God? You, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they would have to do. But uh, uh, so that's James' situation. But later on, James comes to say yes to Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. You see, James still had all these questions, and you can bring your questions until, and still take a step to believe in Jesus. You can say yes, you can place your trust in Christ, and then you take that step, and then you continue on growing and learning. You don't have to have all your questions answered. The reality is you don't have all your questions answered about anything in your life to some degree, right? Anything. They're not all answered. So don't let the fact that there might be some around-the-edge puzzle pieces that, you know, just, I don't know how this fits, what, you know, and all that kind of, don't let that hold you back. I'm sure James still had his questions growing up with Jesus as his brother, but he didn't let those questions stop him. He continued on. So as you and I think of Christianity, we think of following Christ, we think of the puzzle in a sense that is in our view, whether it's a little puzzle, big pieces, thousand pieces, whatever it may be, we all have to come to this place that the resurrection isn't just this uh, fable we celebrate that it actually happened because that's what Paul says he bases everything on. All his teachings go out the window. They don't matter for anything unless there is this resurrection, unless Jesus gave himself one person for all of us. We can't, it, just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't, we can't be all in. But because one person was for all of us, we can be for him. And then that gives us the possibility of being all in. One for all, all for one makes it all in possible. Makes it possible.
So as we think about Easter, as we think about celebrating a risen Lord, I hope you've taken a step closer to embracing the fact that he's risen. Embracing that truth, that reality, and that reality gives you hope, not only for yourself, but for those you know. And you can be all in. And you can look at the puzzle that you're building or is being built around you, and you can see that center puzzle piece, the most important piece, is the fact that he rose again. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we can celebrate a risen Savior. And I'm not sure where folks are at, and I ask that if they're in that place where they're wrestling with that, that even now you'd be speaking to their hearts, that they would see the difference you've made in other people's lives, the change in other people's lives, the folks that got baptized, their stories, all different, but they testify, they point to a risen Savior. Lord, for those of us who have said yes to you, May this encourage us, may this reminder strengthen us that we do have a good news that matters for this chapter of life and the next chapter of life. We ask all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.